Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. The mortgage now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matters. Whoa, Jim. Good morning, yeah. everybody. I'm having a real problem. You can you can swing it now. This, that thing's reaching far over here. I know. It's way Farther high. than usual. Yeah. How's it going? adjust it down. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah. The same. I'm all right. Good. I'm all right. Dan, how are you? Get your microphone, Dan. Oh, you know, I'm pretty good. Dan's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, all right, pretty I'm glad good. Glad to hear Dan's. Pretty you should good. have been all right. Then we could have been all right, all, all right, right, all right. <laughs> Isn't there a song there? I think. I don't know. I have to it's see if there's all right, all right, all right. Oh, I thought you were feeling all right. Yeah, there's probably yeah a bumper in there somehow. <laughs> right on. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. I suppose we were here last week. We were here last week. And you were not here last week. I wasn't? No. Where was I? Oh, that's right. I was gone. Yeah. You were at your brother's- uh, That's why this uh, feels so far away. What was it? Your brother's housewarming because we helped him buy his first home. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. And it was a good housewarming party. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, meet all the the friends and the some of the other half family because he bought this house with his fiance. So- um yeah a little barbecue hanging out your brother's younger than you so is it more of a family gathering or is it like fraternity kind of party he's younger <laughs> than a I lot am. of beer bonging and <laughs> <laughs> things like that i didn't see anything like that but i have to admit yeah my brother is younger than me he's 24 or 25 so he's quite a bit younger than i am and his friends then are <laughs> early to mid 20s yeah and so um you know i had the wife and kids there and <laughs> actually brought my parents so it was we left early <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like where did he buy his house at a uh, little town called fallbrook okay yeah it's still san diego county but it's kind of the the northern border of san diego county mm-hmm. um cool little town yeah it's kind of a feels a little bit rural-ish, yeah. you know? It's like about five miles off the 15 into some of the that landscape out there is like rolling hills with rock outcroppings and, you know, lots of chaparral-covered hillsides. But anyways, it's a cool little town. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he, he they're thrilled about getting their house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm super impressed that he bought a house so young. I mean, that 24 or 25 years old is, when you buy a house on your on your own at that age, that's pretty good. Yeah. I think it's good. We don't see a lot of people doing that. It feels like the the average age for first-time homebuyers around here is closer to 30. So anyhow, 
He'll be paying his house off a lot sooner. <laughs> Good Hope for so. him. Yeah. Thanks to Jason, brother, helping him out with that. Yeah. Awesome. It was a it was a good deal. Good. Good deal. Mm-hmm. What'd you talk about? What'd you do? Um, Mike Points was on the show, so we we spent a little bit of time talking about a lot of the devastation going on in Northern California with the wildfires mm. and and the insurance impacts of you know how the insurance payout and rebuilding process would work um, in those areas. And I did have a little follow up today. Um, it was actually a question I think brought up by one of our listeners, or perhaps we brought it up. But I, I have a follow up on the tax assessment of it was those a properties. Listener. I, it was I a know listener, what you're getting yeah. at. It was a listener that called in, and we mm. were like, "Wow, that's a." Great question. Yeah. yeah. What was the question? Now I'm intrigued. It was regarding the tax assessment. You know, these these people who were just living their life, you know, maybe some of them have owned their homes for a long time and enjoy a nice low property tax base. All of a sudden a wildfire comes through and destroys their home and they, you know, assuming that they rebuild, do they then, to no fault of their own, have to pay a higher property tax assessment? Tell me it isn't so. Well... I received, I was forwarded from one of our, um, one of our banks that we sell loans to, uh, posts. There were some announcements from both the Napa County Assessor and the Sonoma County Assessor's office, offices. Um, both of them have a calamity provision in the property tax law, I guess it is. Um, so, in the event that your property suffers more than $10,000 worth of damage, you can apply for this calamity reassessment and relief. It's under um, Prop 13. It's a temporary reduction of taxes. So what that's what that to me um, was talking about was the, you know, you can get your property value reassessed downward because there used to be a house and now there's not. Okay. So obviously less value. Um Nowhere in there in the article, it was it was silent about um, rebuilding and what the new assessment value of your property would be. So I took that to mean that they're going to reassess it. To I feel the like rebuild. they're I feel like probably not. I mean, there, there's a you don't think they'll reassess the the improvements <clears throat> at least build a brand. So you know, new when you home? get you, I'm sure you've studied your tax bill. Sure, you have like a. Um, the unimproved versus the improved value of your property, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to imagine that if you had some Prop 13 taxes from 40 years ago and you had 20, you're, you're, I don't know, what, $100,000 of improved value or something like that at that good low tax rate, when you build the uh, new house, I would imagine you're going to get some benefit of having had that tax base. Here we go. I've, I found it here. This is the Napa County tax assessor. And it says that the proposer, Proposition 13 factored base year value of the property will, will be reduced as of the date of damage or destruction to reflect the percentage of damage that the property suffered. If a structure was completely destroyed, the value will be removed. And then that role correction will be sent to the county auditor, yada, yada. Um, if the structure is restored to its original condition, the original Proposition 13 base year value is enrolled plus the appropriate time factor. 
if a better quality or larger structure is built as a replacement, credit is given for the base year value of the original improvement. Yeah. And then additional value is added for the current market value of the upgraded or larger structure. Yeah. So that's interesting. I feel like it's a very subjective thing here because it's talking about original condition. Right. I mean, well, remember, obviously we have different building materials today. We have better building materials. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking, remember that there are taxes change if you get, some people try not to get permits when they're doing things for this very reason. But if you go and you do a major remodel where you invest a bunch of money into the kitchen and you need permits to do so, the assessor gets to get their hand on, you don't get a full reassessment. You Just get a reassessment the, on the improved it, value. Sure. So I would imagine, see, some of these houses are going to be, because of their age and size, they've, they're going to have been remodeled and stuff. So there would have already been some complicated assessment calculations going on on them anyway. But yeah, you're right. Let's look at a house that's built in the 1950s versus a house that's built today. I mean, you would find different plumbing, different electrical, different insulation, different, you know, so yeah. many different materials that one could argue that those are better construction um, and thereby creating a better market value. And I realize not everybody likes things new, but if you're you know if you were looking at having a place that's built got some vintage insulation this month <laughs> <laughs> this is my vintage asbestos roof over here so it this this announcement also goes on and says that you know owners whose properties were destroyed and sustained damage to um, equal to more than 50% of the fair market value of the property um, they are eligible to transfer their base year value to a replacement property within the same county within five years of the data damage of their property. Wow. So that's kind of cool. So it's actually more accommodating than what I had thought it would be. Feared. Yeah. I, I, I kind of thought that it was just going to be like, well, you know, life handed you a few lemons uh, here. That wouldn't be very popular though with the with no. the residents if what you found is, hey, that your your life just got turned upside down. You may have been hurt or lost a loved one, lost pets, lost personal belongings and effects. Your house may be partially or completely restored and then the tax man uses that as an opportunity to, to raise the tax bill that would be awfully unpopular yeah i agree now if you if one of our listeners out there owns property or knows someone who owns property in uh, napa or sonoma counties that were affected by these fires um I don't know how many people know about this calamity provision. It's something in California property tax law. So every county assessor has the ability to allow this um, reduction in value for people who've suffered more than $10,000 worth of damage. Um, but they have to apply for it. They need to complete a claim form with the assessor within 12 months of the date of the calamity. So if if you or anyone you know has property that's been affected, make sure that they that you tell them to to contact the tax assessor and and apply or claim that um, reduction in property taxes. That's going to be important. It would seem to me, Dan and Jason, too, that there wouldn't be a whole lot of 
damage that caused ten thousand dollars worth of damage. It seems like that could kind of go up fairly quickly. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, oh, you got something going. The in. fires that ripped through there. Yeah, I'd venture to say ten thousand. If you if, can rack up ten grand pretty quickly on a house. Yeah. Well, even if you had like a kitchen fire. Oh, it yeah. seems to me like. Yeah, you, ten, you know, you're buying a new appliances. You're gonna have totally wiring gonna go pretty quick. Plumbing's gonna have to be redone. Yeah, so yeah, this applies yeah. for anything. I mean, this sounds like something that any. It's Any, not even a natural disaster, yeah, but just a loss of property. Exactly. It says calamities do not include, well, let's see here. Calamities do not include damage that occurs over time, such as termite damage, gradual earth movements, or vineyard diseases, such as whatever. So yeah, it sounds like it's not like settling issues or whatever, but if it's something like, yeah, if you have a grease fire in your kitchen and it destroys your kitchen, your entire kitchen in your house, that's a calamity that you could get some tax relief from and so they'll just reassess that portion of the home that's been affected um, and they're probably happy to do it because then they're going to get to get right in to give you your reassessment right. with those with those improvements new viking appliances you got <laughs> right in that, exactly yeah that new quartz countertop looks amazing by the way <laughs> finally replaced that white tile from the 70s <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's it's good to see the Sonoma County website definitely has less information that Napa County went went very was very descriptive about all the different ways you could, um, you know, about all the different phases here from the, the moment that your home is harmed to the rebuild or moving process and what all the different options are for you. So Napa County was really in detail. I would hope that um, Sonoma County has similar rules and, and opportunities for people. So yeah, we spent some time last week talking about those fires and just I talked all to a couple homes. people this week too. Um, we have a family friend who had um, some significant damage and then also lost oh. lost a family member in the fire and hmm. Pretty devastating, honestly. Um, so we were talking about that. And then the other thing, I was talking to a friend that works for a farmer's insurance agency. And she was so proud that farmers had, like, moved in and set up a tent in there to be able to be, like, on site to answer people's questions and, and help them. And it made me think, too, is... Um, it's a good, that's a really good opportunity to realize who your insurance company is and whether you feel confident that they're the right people to help you. Yeah. Um, oftentimes with the insurance, it seems like lately too, you know, you, these insurance companies, it feels like in Southern California, I see them advertised a little bit more, but they got like general car insurance. Like these weird companies with, you know, kind of strange, um, graphics and stuff about what they do and it's just it's all about being the cheapest mm -hmm. and this is obviously a situation where being the cheapest is not a good thing right and um you know i'm sure you guys talked about this too but this is also a great opportunity for everybody to kind of make an evaluation of whether or not you're properly insured um you know these homes they've gone up in value if you bought your house 
two years ago or 15 years ago. It's gone up in value, um, but also it's gone up in replacement costs generally too. Uh, building materials, uh, you know, planning and permits and those kind of things have gotten more expensive too. So if you were, if you did suffer a partial or a complete loss on your property and you haven't checked in on that insurance in a good long time, you might not have adequate coverage to replace the property um, to its current standard. Uh, it's worth looking into. Uh, I would definitely suggest that you contact your insurance agent, find out if it's been a long time, um, whether or not you have adequate replacement coverage. We see this a lot on home loans. I mean, I it seems like it comes up, I'm going to say, I don't know, what do you think, Dan? 15% of the time where we're like getting down towards closing and of course we take into consideration your homeowner's insurance and we look at it, find out that you have inadequate replacement coverage. So now what we have to do is, you know, we got to get the insurance company and you together to agree to raise your coverage a little bit. It's usually going to result in an increased premium. Um, and, you know, so anyhow, point being is that if you are unsure if your property is covered uh, for full replacement value, check in on it. I think it's a great opportunity to shop insurance carriers, by the way. It's hard. You know, a lot of people get insurance and they, they buy their car insurance and then they use that same company to get their homeowner's insurance because you get a bundled discount. And now here you are nine years into this great relationship and you probably never even used the thing on any front. Um, you have no idea whether your premium is competitive. You have no idea whether your replacement value is good or not, unless you have a good agent that's doing checkups on you and, you know, they'll do a portfolio review to make sure that you've got adequate coverages, let you know, you know, or whatever. If you, if you are listening to this right now and you're like, you know, it's been a long time since I talked to those people and, if you don't have a loan or you haven't recently refinanced, we're usually one of the um, kind of the safety nets. We can help catch you there if you're underinsured. Um, but if you if you don't have a loan or you haven't done a refinance recently, you might be just flapping in the wind. And I think it's a it's a great reminder for everybody to go check in on that and just make sure they uh, have what they need. And probably honestly, not even just in the home world is that's important i mean that's what we're talking about here on the show but you've seen these cars on the road today there's there's some multi-hundred thousand dollar cars out there have you thought about what happens if you accidentally back into one of those teslas or if you you're at picture this you're at the denny's and you're freshly fooled up on your uh moons over my hammy and then you back up into that in in the Tascadero we got a Tesla charging station back up into two of those Teslas whoops <laughs> all right how, how about you back up into that delivery truck that's delivering to Denny's Eesh. not good <laughs> yeah the, one of those semis are they cost quite a bit of money yeah not good mm -hmm. so it's a good idea I think especially was auto insurance most of us have auto insurance we never even use it right When's the last time you used your auto insurance? Probably to show it to a cop. <laughs>
or to show it to the DMV. That being said, you could use this all as an opportunity. It could be an uncomfortable thing to tell your insurance agent, I'm shopping around. But if you approach it from this standpoint of, well, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm properly covered. I'm also making sure that I have a competitive um, service and rate. And I also am looking to make sure that the company that I'm working with has got me best set for potential problems. I started this by saying um, that up in that fire area, Napa and Sonoma, uh, my friend Tina was telling me that farmers comes down and sets up a tent. So you don't have to worry about trying to get a hold of somebody or ex extended hold times and problems like that. You can walk right up and say, hey, you know, that house down there that's smoldering, that was mine. And you're freaking out and have all the questions and they're right there to start trying to get you on track. That's pretty cool. I think it's something worth thinking about. And um, It's a way to win some new customers. Well, <laughs> yeah, especially because if you're the person next door that had something else, you know, then you're looking at it like, hey, look, where's my guy? How do I get a hold of my guy? Mm-hmm. I wish I could walk across the street and talk to my guy. Well, that's what I like too. Cause like all my agents that I have insurance through have offices in yeah. either Roy Grande or Grover beach. It's really nice. Yeah. I clipped some notes this week about, um, kind of ties more into the housing thing, but, um, I, I, I've been reading some articles lately about the floods still speaking of uninsured properties. Kind of crazy. I'll, I'll share that amongst the housing data, but just as your teaser, um, well, they said there's like uh, one over a million homes that are were uninsured. Jeez. That caught flood damaged. And so in Houston right now, people are picking up houses for about 40 cents on the buck if you're... So those must have been all free and clear homes that were uninsured? Because if you have a mortgage, you have to have insurance. Or I guess you could let it lapse. We got ways to make sure that that ain't happening. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more after break. It's time to take a break. Thank the sponsors. Gather ourselves. So let's do that. will be just a short couple minutes, guys. We'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome, surprise, Jim. Yeah, you know, let this. Can you let this just play in the background for a second? Sure. I just want everyone to listen to this right now. Mm. You know, that's the Grateful Dead. It is, and I am, and I'm always fascinated. So, I mean, I am like a huge Grateful Dead fan. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, when people say I don't like the Grateful Dead, what about that? Don't you like? I like this song. It's incredibly I'm, musical, yeah, and I, they I went do like the and trucking and through you know, every genre. Yeah. They played Americana, folk, mm. rock, yeah. blues, country, gospel. I mean, reggae. They played it all. So there's whenever somebody says I don't like the Grateful Dead, I just say, "Tell me, just you haven't been properly exposed." When you got an ice cream named after you. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, the, the Cherry, Cherry Garcia. Garcia. Yep. Yeah. They still make that one. Do they still make that one? Oh, yeah. It's been retired. They're going to make it forever. Yeah. Did you watch that um, Netflix? Is it Netflix or Amazon? It's Amazon. Yeah. The Amazon documentary that just came out about the Grateful Dead. It's called Long Strange Trip. No. Yeah. I haven't seen that. They talk about the, the ice cream thing a little bit. In that oh, anyway. do they? Super cool. You might want to watch it. Uh, I have to it's watch like it. It's like six yeah. episodes, so yeah. you could you could waste away a day if you get caught watching it. But it's interesting. It's kind of a cool tale. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check it out. Lots of cool old footage, you know, of like just some things the way you remember them. I felt you know <laughs> seeing video from the seventies, eighties, nineties when when things were different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. And I do like I Will Survive. Touch of Grey. Oh, man. I do like that song. Great song. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. That made me in a better mood. It put me in a better mood. I kind of really put kind a of smile a on my face. Week, I don't so, think it's yeah. left yet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Jim, I hope this, uh, I hope you'll have a much better week this week. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's some, hopefully things trend up for you. Thank you. Um, I heard a lot of good news this week, in fact. So um, I've been, I think maybe good news is going around. So it's your turn to get some next. Speaking of good news, oh, Dan. Yes. Well, could be good news, might not be. Interest rates took a little bit of a hit yesterday. Seems like it was caused by the Senate passing a little bit of a budget bill. Um, it's got to go from the Senate to the house now, but, um, that's an interesting one. We knew that the tax reform stuff was going to be on the heels of the budget. And so the budget bill would have to go through and then that would ultimately lead us to the tax reform part or not. The fact that the Senate passed this $4 trillion budget bill kind of paved the way now for some of the tax reform effort that has been being talked about lately. I mean, depending on where you get your news from, you heard that there's a tax bill that's being talked about. And um, so interestingly enough, you know, the markets are reacting a little bit to that, as you could imagine. We, um, you know, we talk about this stuff quite a bit here on Mortgage Matters, but we got the um, stock market and the bond market and these things, how they react. They don't really love uncertainty. They do like, the stock market really likes when policy and leadership seems to be shifting to more business-friendly type of thing. So the fact that making a little bit of progress in this and potentially being able to adopt tax bill that is going to make a a friendlier business climate means we're going to go gangbusters, right? Everybody's making so much money. The Dow's over 23,000, which was wild. 23,328. It closed that yesterday. Another gain of more than 150 points. That's a big day. That's a big number. How far can this stinking Dow go, by the way? I don't know, but my IRA is looking good. It's looking good. It likes it. And I had told you this already, but one of my friends, Ty, he bought a piece of property. He's so freaked out about the market and the IRA that he borrowed from it to move that portion into cash to buy a piece of property. Mm. And oh, I thought, that's probably doing pretty well. Is that smart? Is that smart? This feels high, man. Does it feels high? It feels high. I don't know. 23000 23 and a third, really? We're already a third of the way to 24. And the budget hasn't even, you know, that's not done. So what happens next week when the Senate approves or the House approves the bill? And then after that, once we actually learn about the the tax reform, if it if it gets through in the, you know, as close to how it started, um, then what? Are we going to see 25,000? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. And by the way. The tax plan, that isn't going to affect you tomorrow. Well, and here you are, you're talking about tax plan, this and that, yet the stock market, you know, setting new records over and over. But when I think of the stock market, I'm, I'm thinking of companies. I'm thinking of growth and innovation of, of companies. And where is that occurring? Yeah, I understand there might be some tax reform, but where's the growth and innovation that's driving the stock market? And 
without that answer, yes, I do feel like <laughs> this is fragile ground here yeah. that we're that we're on. Oh, you like to you like it to be based in like earnings ratio. Yeah, you know, what's it? Earnings per share. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's old, Dan. <laughs> That's old. Now you have to buy it because you're you love it because it's got a good logo and because everybody else is buying it and because people have a cool TV show that said, buy this one. Right. This one's the best one. It's the good <laughs> one. It's going to take out the other ones. I know. It's pretty wild. So anyhow, that's been driving the, the stock market. Um, the The bond market at the same time, remember, we're in, we're in an interesting time right now. Uh, October, this is October. Oh my goodness. It's October 21st. You know what that means? We're already three quarters of the way through the month where this is the first month we had, um, balance sheet normalization. We should call it. It's been sleepy, right? Have you heard a lot about it? Big deal. Have not. No big deal. Um, hasn't really shocked interest rates. Hasn't done anything nuts, but basically there's, uh, you know, some of the mortgage-backed securities and treasuries that are being paid off are not being reinvested. So there's a guaranteed buyer in those markets that's not coming to bid. So that's been kind of ho-hum, not a big deal. It's nice that that's happening because we had plenty of time to worry about what would happen when we began unwinding that balance sheet. Well, now we know it's going okay. Um, And then at the same time, um, so the bond market's thinking about that. The bond market is also watching the stock market go nuts. And I'm sure plenty of people moving money from the bonds over stocks. Uh, the bond market is also watching the, you know, same kind of things, this sentiment around the, the taxes and, you know, the budget and these things, seeing how, uh, it doesn't feel like it's time to, to curl up into that defensive ball and hide in the corner. So the bond market is having to offer some higher yields to to be attractive still. So we see the 10-year bond yield is up to 2.38% as of yesterday. Um, that's approaching the high end of the range of what we've seen in recent months. So uh, maybe a little bit of upward pressure there. And then one of the biggest things, and, uh, you know, we don't have to have a huge conversation about this, but you know, Janet Yellen is her term as um, our Fed chair is up in February. Mm-hmm. So that's right around the corner, isn't it? Doesn't Congress and everybody just kind of get quiet over those next couple months? That's going to be honest before we know it. So this week we did, uh, we saw a lot of headlines. If you were paying attention to them, some of the news sites were dominated by talks about who President Trump was talking to and interviewing and considering. Uh, Pence has been up to this for a while, trying to figure out who's going to be the likely replacement of Janet Yellen. And of course, Trump met with Yellen on Thursday to interview her to see if he might give her the nod for Mm -hmm. her new position. And I got to say, at this point, I've been following it pretty closely. At this point, I think there's nothing more than speculation you could say about any of that stuff. We have no idea who they're going to pick and also what it means. But, um, you know, one thing sure is that we came through some really difficult times with um, challenge, uh, 
Bernanke and then also Chair Yellen. Um, man, she's had such a steady hand. And I do think, um, like you read these parts, you read the minutes about the little bit of, um, uh, what do you call it? I don't want to call it dissension, but they're, they're differing point of views within the Fed. And, you know, the chair has been providing the leadership and the guidance and bringing these people together to have a uniform front end plan to be able to walk us through some really tumultuous times. She's done a great job. And I don't think that many people could argue that, at least not, um, not very well. Um, the Fed has become less divisive less divided um they are have been you know moving forward and doing i think a really good job i think janet yellen you know if you went if you went and then talked if you wanted to talk about her politics because that's kind of what's on the table if you want to call a spade a spade this was an obama appointee and we know now that one thing about trump we could all agree on is that um he's not very fond of all things obama so (laughs) That being said, and and by the way, not afraid to ditch somebody on staff, right? Especially if it's a, right. a, a carryover person from the Obama administration. So that being said, um, you know, she's done, I think, a really good job of walking that fine line between the government and the politics, the private and public sector. You know, you tell me what are all of her, just based on how she's coached us as a Fed chair, you tell me about her political leanings and whether she favors one side or the other. You really can't. Yeah, she's, it's hard to tell from she's that She's done a good alone. job. Um, she seems to me to be there to do her job. Oh, yeah. yeah. And to not worry about the political as much. I don't yeah. know. Maybe. And, I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong. but I think she is. Yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, I think that also one of the things is that she does a really good job in my opinion of understanding how the fed affects the rich and the poor the public and the private you know she understanding she's done a good job of keeping her nose out of the politics and frankly i think that's why she's lasted as long as she has uh, you know there was a target on her back out of, out of the gate day one um and so at any rate president trump met with yellen on thursday and there wasn't a whole lot said about that um, there was some chance that we were going to hear something yesterday and I was, I was hoping that we would. Um, and then otherwise it sounds like next week we're going to get told who the, the likely new appointment is going to be, or if Yellen's just going to get the, the green light to stay the helm. And, um, you know, the, the replacements, you could get down in the weeds about what they think and what they want. Uh, you know, essentially whether or not rates are going up is probably one of the the biggest things. And no matter what, uh, it seems that, you know, we, we got Fed minutes last week too. In fact, I think they came out Thursday before you guys did the show. So maybe you even talked about them on the show last week without me. Uh, but the Fed minutes are are out and they showed and supported the fact that many of the members of the fed voting and non-voting are um, much more excited about raising rates at least one more time this year, which puts us on track for a a rate hike in December. And um, the odds now of that rate hike are greater than 90%. You recall 
I always got to make sure I don't say this wrong because it's one month now ago, but we had the September job numbers and it was minus 33,000. Yes. That's brutal. So the fact that we had a, a kind of a sobering jobs report right there and then we we still now are hearing that the odd in, inflation is still stubbornly low hearing more and more now about the fed saying well hey maybe maybe inflation is going to run below that um you know and and you know all these things tie together this is part of the thing when you're looking at who who might replace yellen you know some of the other more hawkish people are going to say that you don't move rates. So Yellen has been moving rates a little bit even in spite of this inflation, right? Just trying to just incrementally kind of tick along. Usually you raise rates where GDP is too hot, the economy is too hot, inflation is too hot, and you need to use some kind of some tool to dampen that. Um, so the fact that we've been raising rates a little bit, you know, what's it been a couple times a year, not that big of a deal. Well, so far, just once a year, this is the first year in recent, recent memory (laughs) that we've, you know, done it multiple times, done it twice so far this year. I guess maybe I say a couple times a year because it's been two or three years in a row now where we've been conditioned to believe that we're supposed to get two or three, right. and they really only handed us one, and this year we might just get two, although I got to... Well, we've done two. We did March and June. Yeah, so we'd have a third one. With December. So anyhow, it'll be really interesting to see how it all goes, but for the last couple of years, it's been more about the talk than the action, hasn't mm-hmm. it? The anticipation's greater than the deed. Well, I think there's a lot of pull in in different, you know, there's a lot of pull to normalize rates. There but there's a lot of pull pull to be accommodative and to let this recovery continue to gain momentum and and it's a tough thing to navigate. And the whole time you're sitting there talking about Yellen and you know, what a good job she's done. The whole thing I'm thinking the, the whole time I'm thinking um, you know, this has got to be like her Super Bowl or her World Series. If this is what you do for a living and navigating the country out of this unprecedented crisis, I mean, this is like the pinnacle of her career. She's got to get up every morning and just I still just love picture this. her just just like a, a surgeon with a steady hand. Yeah, totally. I doubt I doubt that she actually f- feels the like any any excitement or ego you know? over it. Well, I think she just is too pragmatic. Knows exactly what to she knows exactly how she feels, therefore she knows exactly what she thinks and she knows exactly what to say and she's just too calculated. I can't I hear what you're saying. I want to think so too that she's just going, "Are you kidding me? This is this is the if you ever were going to leave the lead the Fed, this has got to be a great time to do it." Um, but yeah, I, I think she's probably just awfully calculated and shows up the same way, you know, that a first responder does. It's just, I have protocols and training and experience that's leading me to game day. So anyhow, next week's show will likely have some of this conversation. I think we might have a better look as to whether we're going to have Janet in as the, um, remaining chair, or if we're going to end up with 
a new replacement, John Taylor or one of the others. So um, we'll have that. We'll have that to talk about nonetheless. And if nothing else, we can just feed into the thing where it's a, it's better to talk about than uh, the actual change. So let's do the final commercial break of the hour. Hey, eh? yeah. Oh, I'll, I'm good. I'm good with it. Yeah. And I'll really we got that big monitor in front of us again. Yeah. I'm just, uh, and I'll be looking forward to whatever music we come back with after have, this break. I mean, I, we might have some more Grateful Dead. Can you say? Wow. Maybe, okay. maybe it'll be a Grateful Dead show today. Man. Be but still Jason, my heart. Jason in heaven over there. All right, let's hurry up and get there. We're going to do a commercial break. We'll be back in just a minute. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linux. The most critical part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. Where the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Trucking is what they opened up the uh, 50th anniversary show in Santa Rosa with. Oh, yeah. Had to know it was coming, too. Yeah, of course. Just get the whole crowd just bouncing on the first note. Oh, yeah. Good times. Yeah, it's always a good time. Good. All right. All right. All right. Dan's over there humming it. 
Dan likes the dead. Everybody it's, likes the dead. I think you do. Yeah, yeah I, I do, actually. This album in particular. Yeah. It probably would have been more accepted into like mainstream culture too, with just a different name, you know? Yeah. If they had stuck with the warlocks. <laughs> Maybe not. And what was the song you wanted to hear off the top of the hour? Oh, I could play Eyes of the World. You should check that one out. I'll it's going to sound great in your headphones, I'll, by I'll the cue, way. I'll cue it. Right on. Well, Mike, looking through my notes here, wondering what you want to talk about for this short little run. How about bank earnings? Did you look at bank earnings this week? I didn't. It's kind of interesting. Um, some of the bigs, Bank of America, Chase, Wells. How are they doing? Um, mortgage production increased 7% quarter over quarter on average. Um and we expected, you know, something like that flat. So that's pretty much in line. Um, Wells Fargo, as you know, Dan, is the, you know, the number one in size lender in the nation. Right. Their mortgage banking income dropped 37% from last year. Wow. Part that's of it has to do squeezed with... Squeezed margin for the yeah. declining volume. But also, it, it's yeah, it's squeezed margin. Um, but also, I think too, Wells Fargo's had a little bit of a black eye, right? I mean, they've had trouble staying out of the news with um, some of their practices coming back to bite them. Um, even their net servicing saw a year-over-year decline of fourteen percent. Hmm. Which really, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You you know more about servicing world than I do. But if your net servicing declines year over year, where a lot of your servicing portfolio was good, cheap interest rate stuff, um, when that portfolio falls off from three hundred fifty nine billion to three hundred nine billion, um, that's people just getting away from you. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. So your your new business is down a little bit, your revenue is down a little bit. Uh, but then also your servicing portfolio is down a little bit. I'm thinking, you know, maybe it'll be just a few more short years here where we won't have to keep acknowledging um, Wells Fargo as the number one lender in the U.S. You know, these other non-bank lenders keep growing market share. It's been it's been that way for a little while now. Um, so do we fit into that metric? We're a non-bank lender, yeah. Obviously, we're a non-bank lender, but... You know, I think that the ones that are getting counted, like, I mean, that puts you on path with, like, Quicken. I mean, we all report, so we report as non-banking lending institutions, so I imagine we're included in that metric. It's cool. It's nice to know we're, just, we're <laughs> counted in there with Quicken. Yeah. For the rocket mortgage, in case you have to buy a rocket, get one. 30-year rocket loan. Isn't that more chattel financing? I would think it's not real property. It's not a tad. Maybe if you put your rocket on permanent foundation, maybe then once it's maybe. anchored down, yeah. get your four through three A, and now you're that would it make is sense. real property. Right. We take it out of the DMV system and put it over into <laughs> real property, thereby rocket mortgage. Does be. the DMV issue a pilot's license? Not if it's on a permanent foundation. <laughs> 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 that's why in that commercial they hit the button and then everything's floating around in the room around them like actually 
I don't. I, the funny thing about that commercial to me is that when you're when your belongings are floating all around, that to me feels like disorganization and chaos. Right. So they're yeah. like they're like hit this button and get a rocket mortgage, and then suddenly your whole world will be chaotic and floating around you. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I'd actually like. Why don't you just call five four three loan, and then all your belongings will just be right where they are. You're not gonna even have to clean. <laughs> Plus, you got a really cool jingle along with that. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna ask you to open the file cabinet and just grab a few papers out of there but like <laughs> your <laughs> all your family pictures your books your encyclopedia collection all that stuff, that's all going to be right on the shelf right where you left it when you began the mortgage process <laughs> oh funny um oh now i lost my train of thought i got i got i got thinking about the rocket mortgage i always think that's a funny one it's clever though right because everybody knows it i almost thought we should have a commercial where we just go tell people like, hey, look, if you want to, if you feel inclined to respond to that rocket ad, because you, you yourself consider yourself a spaceman of the financial world and you're ready to to really get in into that, we do, um, in fact, here you go. I got, a, I got a new loan this week from a lovely gal out of Cambria. And I asked her, well, how'd you hear about us? And she said... Oh, I just Googled um, lenders near me. Oh, awesome. I love that. I love that we came up in that search and that that landed you here. Um, So I said, well, do you want to come in? Do you want to, you know, I could meet you in the Morro Bay office or we could work by phone. It's I can send you things. We can look at them. She said, no, with all the technology, you can just send me what you want. So I thought, okay, that's Kind of rocket mortgagey, that's rad. How come you didn't just use an online lender? But anyway, happy to have the business. So if you're Googling lenders near me, that's us. All right, guys, we got the top of the hour break. We'll be back in about five minutes for a whole other hour of Mortgage Matters. Stick around. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Everybody, welcome back. We got this. Uh, this is a great song. Good pick, Jim. Yeah, I don't know who suggested it for this bumper. I don't know. Are you not familiar with this track? Not as familiar, no. Listen to how cool and jazzy that is. It is, it is uh, jazzy. That's right? good. Yeah. So when you hear people but, uh, saying, I don't like the Grateful Dead, is this what you think of? So now we'll have oh, a. No, it's just different. It's good. It's somewhat Polynesian in a way. It sounds kind of Polynesian meets the Grateful Dead. Somewhat. Mortgage Matters now will be twofold. It'll be about 
real estate economics and converting people to like open their eyes to what is the beauty of the Grateful Dead. Mm. There it is, the music. Dan's really looking forward to the that. Music Maybe we can redo our logo. Yeah. yeah. We'll put like a but, you know, lightning bolt through it or something. Just use that one and then put your, your pictures on that somehow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you could still use the, the seascape scheme that you have. Uh-huh. There you are. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, what do you know, Dan? Not a whole lot. I know we got a whole hour here, and we're going to be talking a little bit about um, some of the week's housing data that came out. Housing starts. Yeah. Existing home sales. Building permits. Woo. It's getting, ex- <clears throat> it's getting exciting in here. Um. I think uh, housing starts are an interesting place to start. Well, heck, it has start in the name. Yeah, there you go. September housing starts and building permits came out um, this week. It's always a good one. It gives us a little bit of an indication of what's going on in terms of the future construction, but also construction that has begun. And it kind of gives us an idea of what we what we have to look forward to. You know... One of the reasons that I cling to this number is that uh, we live in this. This is a time I think more than ever before, where you you have to describe the supply and demand of housing as a crisis. So you hear a lot about the crisis and talk about the affordability. Um, you know, I oh gosh, I was reading an article on the Tribune this week where they were um, talking about. I think it was down in Oceano in the creek bed. They were having trouble with some of the, you know, the the homeless encampments down there that had trash and, you know, different things like that. Just kind of unfortunate stuff going on. Well, that conversation quickly turned to, well, we need to have more affordable housing. Which led, of course, you saw there's a lawsuit now filed about the new San Luis Ranch development. Appears as though some folks are not excited about having that development right in town there, taking up some open space. And San Luis Ranch is the. I think that's the one. Delidio property? That, or am I that, using the right name for it? I don't know. There's like three projects that are being discussed all the Anyhow, same time. Anyhow, um, much of the criticism stems from the projects being marketed as creating affordable housing. At north of $500,000 per unit, right? So that's expensive, isn't it? That's really expensive. You got to you gotta really have something going on to be able to buy affordable housing at $500,000. Um, so anyhow, kind of tying this back together, these conversations lead back to we need more affordable housing. You know, this is why we have some of the problems that we have. This is the crisis that we're in. Well, this is solved with the supply and demand function, right? So this is then why we look to these housing starts and permit numbers to see, are we finding, are we working towards equilibrium at least? Are we heading in the right direction? September housing starts um, declined month over month by 4.5%. 
Um, I'm sorry, 4.7%. So you, between starts and permits, you're down 47 and 4.5%. The annualized rate for starts declined to 1.127. And for, bermi- for permits, building permits decreased to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.215 million. Mm-hmm. So both of those metrics are showing slight declines, which is a bummer because, again, if you're wanting to see this crisis resolved, what you need to see is increased starts and increased permits every month. And you'd like to see them at a pace that's much more than 1.1 million. I have some good news for you. The single family home portion of the permit permits metric is up, was up 2.4%. Um, annualized rate of 819,000 and year over year gain of 9.3%. Yeah. So we're seeing more permits in the single family side, which is good. That's the, that's the most critical part of the housing sector. Um, so obviously the multifamily side is where we're seeing decline right now. The permits for multifamily homes fell 16% and holy moly. A year over year, is this? Could this be right? Year over year decline of twenty four percent in single family. Yeah, oh, multifamily, multifamily for permits. See, the multifamily one can be tricky because some huge companies can plant some huge multifamily projects, build a big condo, big apartment, launch a mm-hmm. few of them at one time, pull permits for a few. You know, you're talking, you could be upwards of a thousand units on some of these projects. So once those get factored into the metrics and then you try to compare to the next month and you, so you see the declines, right? I just like to err a little bit more on the side of the, the annualized rate of units to be built total, mm. total units, 1.1 million, um, you know, oh, old news here, um, pre-recession, we were building new homes at a rate that was over two million units a year um, during the during the um, average months. I mean, I went back, looked at the charts. You know, one point four, one point five, one point six million up to two, more than two million. Um, now, you know, you've had a decade of underbuilding. And with population growth and the like, we're just not keeping up. And so um, those numbers are are not evident of the solution. And so the tail end of that report from, um, you know, just basically leaves you feeling that the we're going to basically be seeing more of the same until something really budges. Shortly after that housing starts and building permits metric was released, um, the National Association of Realtors publishes the existing home sales index. And the existing home sales index is, so this is for previously lived in homes, right? Used homes. Yeah, used homes. Certified pre-owned homes. (laughs) Unexpectedly increased last month. Um, we don't see a lot of increase in the existing home sales numbers. Um, the numbers rose 0.7%. And the, um, you know, at the end of the day, though, what we find is that the there's still a housing shortage. 
we find that, um, you know, we're looking at all of these markets. We're seeing still too much price appreciation, basically, because of the lack of supply. And so though there was a little bit more inventory coming on the market, that's a little bit of a head scratcher in and of itself. Um, they were anticipating a decline of 1% in those existing home sales and found a gain of 0.7%. So what's that mean? Maybe it's the beginning of the new trend where people are now looking at their home value and saying, this is probably the peak. It's gone on long enough. My house is worth top dollar. I'm going to sell it and put some serious money in the bank. That could be why. It could also be that, um, you know, these people are looking at selling their home because they're ready to upgrade. Think that they're where whatever region or whatever they're in, they've, they think they have a clear path to being able to get into a different home, which has given them more confidence to be able to sell their house. Mm -hmm. I also think, too, that, you know, interest rates this week, I'm quoting out loans, you know, that are in the 3%, high 3% APR range, right, for a 30-year fixed of conforming loans and it wasn't too long ago after the election that those rates were closer to four and an eighth or four and a quarter. So the trend since then has been um, down a little bit. And so I do wonder if some of these people that decided to finally make a move and sell their house sort of looked at the interest rate environment and said, hey, this is not bad. You can get a rate now back in the high threes. That's better than what it was at four and a quarter a year ago now. Man, it's almost really almost already been a year since the election. That's a trip. But so they're looking at that and saying there's a window now for opportunity, and, and maybe that's why they're selling. It doesn't mean, to me, it doesn't mean that there's been this radical shift in sentiment and everybody's ready to sell their house. No, I don't think so either. I, th I think the issue continues to be affordability, and that's kind of slowing things down. This is kind of, I, you know, we keep having this debate about, you know, is there a bubble? Is there going to just be continued appreciation? And I keep thinking that at some point, people are just going to get disinterested in, in buying. People who don't currently own are going to become disinterested because the price just exceeds what they can afford. And that's the problem. And I'm, I'm looking at a New Times article here, um, their late September edition, September 28th was the, was the date of this article, but it's talking about, you know, stuff we already know. The median home price in San Luis Obispo County is unaffordable to the median income earner. You know, the, right. the median household income in Slow County is around $65,000 a year. That's from new times, but that, that news is old times. Right. Yeah. In San Luis, I think that's always been the case is that, when you look at the median income versus the median home price, the, there's a lack of affordability there that is at a greater disparity than other cities around. Um, I saw the median home price in September nationally was 245100 which is 4.2% rise from September a year ago. And... Um, 
other little interesting things about this report. Let me tell you, um, a year ago, inventory had a 4.5 month pace. So if the homes listed sold, we would be um, at their rate, we would be out of homes in four and a half months a year ago. It's down to 4.2 now. So, um, and then here's kind of the icing on the cake to, to both those metrics is that the median number of days that homes were on the market in September was 34 compared to 39 a year ago. So these homes are up in value, selling quickly. I mean, marketing time, that when the existing home sale national average marketing time is 34 days, mm-hmm. that's wild. That's a seller's market by far. That's not surprising, right? I mean, we've known that for a while, but it just keeps getting tighter and tighter. Can I throw in my uh, aunt and uncle just sold their home? Well, they're selling their home in Santa Clara, Silicon Valley area. Okay. Okay. Um, and they bought one at Paso Robles. And I'm not sure exactly, but they, I know they're paying cash pretty much for the one at Paso Robles. But um, they, I would expect they are. Yeah, because Apple, I think it's Apple, uh, one of the one of the computer companies is building a brand new facility up there. Yeah. And have 12,000 employees and 11,000 parking spaces. And they could walk to it from where their house was. Anyway, the house down the street. From I hope them, they didn't sell too early. Well, the house down the street sold for $1.9 million. And this is just a residential neighborhood. That's nice, but it's nothing, yeah. you know, like Beverly Hills. Okay. $1.9 million, they ripped it down to one wall and did a remodel on it. Yeah. Because the house needed to be remodeled, they said. $1.9 million. Yeah. Now, their house is going, they've, they're they asking $1.8, I think. And they expect to get that and possibly more. Yeah. But they bought it 40 years ago, 45 years ago, when the house was maybe $50,000. That's wild. At the most. So, it's definitely... A seller's market up there. Are they doing a 1031 exchange? I'm not positive about that. Just make sure they're getting good counsel. There could be some real tax problems with that sale. Mm -hmm. Um, 1031 exchange would give them ability to trade like for like in terms of the tax, but that would mean that they would need to be buying a pretty expensive house in order to not have big Mm -hmm. capital gains on that. Well, they're buying on the west side of Paso Robles, so behind Vine Street in that area. So fairly nice, but it's like, you know, they wanted to get out of the rat race of it. Seriously, plus their kids moved down here. One of them did, so. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, just uh, they wanted to get out of the rat race of it, basically. And when you got Apple putting in 12,000 jobs near your house, I can imagine. Not only that, but when, you're, when your humble abode that you've lived in for half a century is suddenly worth two million bucks, there's, yeah. that's an immense amount of pressure on you. Yeah. You know, does, does the rest of their finances line up to be millionaires? Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty yeah. well off. They're pretty well off. They did fairly well for themselves. I feel like I would. Uh, I feel like I'd like to just get out of all that. That just sounds stressful to me. Just yeah, being, I think being it a is. part of you know being a a big fancy millionaire in Silicon Valley when you can just go move out to Paso. Yeah, move and move they, away and from they like. They like the heat. Do so, they have Tesla right. cars? They actually did have one. They, <laughs> they do. do have a Tesla. Yes, they do. Man, yeah. this guy 
Jim over here, he comes from royalty. Yeah, and my uncle (laughs) has a car that he puts in car shows that he didn't restore himself. (laughs) He's able to pay somebody to restore it? Yeah. So, yeah, we do okay. I mean, they do. They do okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Yep. After this last month's existing home sales data came out, Lawrence Yun, who's the National Association of Realtors chief economist, he's been at the helm for a while. Mm Mm-hmm. His quote that got clipped and published in about every headline that goes along with this is, as long as we have a housing shortage, this will lead to affordability issues. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, full circle where we started talking about those housing starts and building permits. Is there any answer there? No? Okay. And continue. So I, you know, I feel like we're just, we're going to be doing repeating the same thing next month and and sadly probably next year well and i mean we've we've talked about it before with all these you know there's flooding in texas and hurricanes in the the southeast and there's fires in northern california and all of these natural disasters have wiped out existing homes in the country i mean we're talking thousands and thousands of homes have been wiped out and here we are we're you know, we're struggling to build about a million of these new homes a year. So are we even keeping up with the replacement of homes? We're not. I mean, that's what these people from Northern California who all just lost their homes, they get to go compete for rental housing and or new, you know, new or used housing to buy in the competitive California Bay Area market. And compete for the scarcity of that qualified labor to be able to replace their home yeah. at the premium prices where, you know, I mean, yeah, it's all of those things. Interestingly enough, there was a little bit of data about um, Texas and Florida that made it into the existing home sales report. Um, Houston market covered, recovered quickly. Uh, they actually had a 4% gain in existing home sales compared to a year ago. Florida sales are down still 22% compared to last year. So um, those sounds, I guess, I mean, I maybe it's reckless to say, but it sounds like the um, the Houston stuff is being quick quickly remedied compared to the Florida stuff that, you know, for whatever reason is lagging a little bit slower behind. So... Anyhow, there you go. There's some housing stuff for you. It's, it's breaky time. Okay. And then we and now we get to have another look at to what other fantastic song Jim another. has selected for the bumper coming back from yeah. the break. There we go. So let's do that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break, guys, for just a couple minutes. We'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-396-08. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. I guess I'm listening. You know what? You should come over to my house for an evening and I will just, you'll leave with a permagram. We'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. I mean, this might shock you to know, but the, the Grateful Dead in its pieces are still out and doing, making great music. John Mayer was on tour with them for the last couple of years. You know, Jason, we need to go down the hall to KZOZ. And have a an hour of Grateful Dead music in me every every uh, maybe every Friday night or something like that. There you go. There you go. You can never have enough. He's sponsored by Central Coast Lending. Yeah. Grateful Dead hour. Pick my friend Joe, you know, off the air. But on Grateful Dead, like real good Grateful Dead, <laughs> an hour is like three songs. <laughs> three. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Well, we'll, Eighteen to twenty minutes. We'll bring in Dan for color. You know, we'll just, you know, we'll have a, we'll a lot have of the session down there. A lot of the radio dead, those, the studio dead, which there's only a few studio albums to draw from. Some of the best deads, like the live dead. But, you know, they don't have any real language they have to worry about, from what I understand. So yeah. I think we could probably pretty much play No, I, thanks to their following and, you know, mm-hmm. questionable decisions back in the 60s and stuff, they've got uh, a real stigma around them, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of the actual music, no, absolutely no, not. There's not there's not lyrical problems. There's there aren't mm-hmm. bad themes. Altogether it, yeah. it kind of embraces the hippie vibe of yeah. you know. Yeah, we need to go down the live, laugh, love type got, of stuff. We've got KZOZ, four downs four downs doors down. Let's go ahead. Sounds Gotta fun. Hook that up somehow. <laughs> um Humda. You love Humda? Yeah. Oh, 
tell me about what does that acronym stand for? Mm. Home Mortgage Data Act. Maybe. Look it up. Look it up. I'll look it up. That's my guess. So we collect Humda data on on every loan we do. And this is basically they want to know about um, you know, some of the characteristics of the borrowers. Home Mortgage Disclosure Act. Okay. It's a law. It's a federal law that requires financial institutions to provide mortgage data to the public. Got it. So you you can get into some of that hum to data and figure out figure out some neat stuff. Um, this gives us a look at the 2016 data from last year. So here's a little bit of analysis on that. Conventional loan volume in 2016 increased 20 percent. Um, the overall increase, by the way of loans was 19%, so basically just kept their share. FHA volume in 2016 had only a 9% increase, which isn't overly surprising to me. This one might might rock your socks a little bit. Uh, VA volume, a robust 38% increase in the same period, more VA loans being originated in 2016. That's uh, interesting. I've actually noticed that with our own um reporting that we do to to nmls on a quarterly basis yeah and i i've noticed it but haven't really understood why or taken the time to really research it well i'll tell you what interesting that it's a nationwide thing yeah years back the um the va loan was it's a i mean by and large it's a it's a program for no down payment right right and when you get into some of the more expensive markets, like here in California, you can get VA has no maximum loan limit. There does become a part where if you're buying a $2 million house, there's a formula that runs out. There's a borrower contribution that has to be made. And so they end up having to put three, five, 10% down, depending on how crazy of a house they're buying. Okay. But for the most part, it's a hundred percent loan program. It's a good program. Um, the mortgage insurance on VA loans are an upfront funding fee for those that are required to pay it, gets financed in the loan amount, makes it very affordable. Uh, in years past, when I first started doing loans, the interest rates weren't very good. And it was surprising because um, it made the program sort of ineffective. And you really looked at that and you would, you would sit down with a loan professional and make an evaluation of whether or not you wanted to try to make some down payment, suffer out doing something that would get you into a conventional loan so that you didn't have to do a VA loan. Today, my oh my, how that has changed. The VA loan, when you want to you go drag interest rates today and find out what's the lowest interest rate of like any loan program in the mortgage business, it's a VA loan. Um, it's very attractive. It's a great deal. Um, Depends on which lender you go to. It oh yes, it does. Because <laughs> um, what we found is that well, you, and you've even shared some statistics that banks have a very high um, occurrence of of selling a government loan versus a conventional loan, a disproportionately high occurrence of of that, and that's because those government loans are very profitable. They're very profitable. And, you know, interestingly enough, I, I have, this is a small town. I think the lending business in general is sort of an incestuous pool of people. Um, and I have a lot of friends that I've worked with through the years at different companies. And uh, 
you know, it's a it's a neat thing to get together for a cup of coffee and share. Some of my friends that run other mortgage companies here in town say that VA and FHA make up about 20% of their overall business or less, but make up more than 80% of the profitability of their business. So um, those are definitely places where companies can make a lot of money. I always am a big fan of people shopping home loans. Look, if you're about to invest a half a million dollars into a piece of real estate and you're going to do a loan with someone... I think you should probably have a pretty good understanding of the person you're working with and how they stack up to others in their market. So I say this to all of our listeners, if you are going to get a loan, um, you know, hopefully you're calling us, we'll help you out. Um, if your coworker or your niece or nephew, child, grandchild, whoever is getting ready to buy their first house, if you don't, show up with like a lender relationship out of the gate to that realtor, they're going to send you to someone. And usually that's based on that person's ability to perform and their timeliness. They return phone calls. You do good stuff. I got to ask you though, how do you know how they compare to what's out there? And are you going to one of those lenders that's attempting um, basically remaining solvent because they able to to weigh over price in one particular product or maybe all their products. I mean, we have a friend that works over in the Valley um, for a company that I, I suppose we shouldn't name because they're also here in our community. This company works on a profit margin that's effectively double what ours is in our company. So um, you look at that and say, whoa, look at that. The employees of the company and the loan officers, they have lavish benefits and Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Like the company is paying these crazy healthcare premiums, even for all the dependents. And they're just, they've got money to burn. And you look at it and you say, yeah, but that's because every single loan that you sell to a client is basically highway robbery. And so... Um, you know, over here at our company, we're, we know that we're competing and also, um, we do loans for friends and family. So at some point you got to be able to feel good about the business that you're doing, how you're doing and why you're doing. Um, this was really evident for me this week, by the way. Um, we started a new Zillow advertising campaign and, um, I, in doing so, I I went through a list of funded loans that I had done in the last nine months, and I just sent a pretty simple email that said, "Hey, I'm I'm doing this, and a review on Zillow would be great." People do review us, but they review on Yelp or Google or Facebook or whatever. There's so many places to review anymore. But I had a specific ask for a Zillow review. So here's the link. If you don't mind, uh, you got to set up an account. Do you have a Zillow account, Dan? I don't think so. So most <laughs> people don't, I don't think. But so you don't have, now you got to create an account to write a review, right? Sign up for, you're accepting their terms and conditions, all right, blah, blah, blah. But I realized for me, as I'm going down the list, um, I didn't have any clients that I wasn't willing to reach out to. It was like, we didn't have bad experiences. It wasn't a problem. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like, uh, 
I didn't even feel like I was asking for too much of a favor because I have a good relationship with my clients. And um, consequently, I sent these emails out and I got a really high um, response rate. So I ended up getting the reviews I needed to get the Zillow thing up and running. By the way, these are not fake reviews. I'm just asking somebody that did business with me to go in and make a review. So... I was contacted by a couple of the people at Zillow wanted to say, how did you do that? What did you do? How did you do that? And um, they're asking because they spend so much of their time with other lenders where they're trying to encourage these people to go get, the goal was to get three to five reviews, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was... I was able in like a 24-hour period to procure like 16 reviews or something like this, right? So they're now asking me, well, what's your secret? What did you do? Because they told me, well, you should – people ignore email. You should text everyone. And I'm like, I am not going to text people. Um, yeah. So I sent an email. And the email was pretty basic. You know, I was like, hey, I'm trying something new. I need this review. If you have an account, log in and review me. If you don't, would you mind setting one up? Blah, blah, blah. Well, as I'm going through that list, that's what reminds me is like, man, this is why we have that relationship with our client. They're not just a dollar sign. It's not, we're not trying to make four points on a loan and have these crazy windfall profits. And, and because of that, so I ended up thinking about this with Zillow and it's like, well, that's, that's probably why it's a little bit different. You know, when you're down in the city and you're hustling for business amongst a bajillion competitors, um, and it's it's easy to just do a ho hum job and a ho hum deal, and it probably is difficult to get the connection and referral, um, and get your clients to go write you a review. So, anyhow, um, going back to this data though, Dan, um, this is interesting. So VA making up a much larger part of the the loan volume. Um, and I think it's because that loans become so relevant. People are, if you're a veteran, getting a VA loan is a really sweet deal. Um, and VA removes some restrictions during the financial crisis. You used to not be able to refinance a conventional loan into a VA loan. So there's been some reduction in fees, some expansion of guidelines, some lowering of the interest rate. It's really a fantastic program. It's not surprising to me um, that it is so robust. Um, in the market of 2016, overall, purchases represented 49% of the market. The strongest markets in the nation for purchase business was Texas and Florida, each was 63%. Um, the strongest was New York at 64%. Um, refis represented um, 47% of the market. So what's that other 4%? It's not purchase or refi. <laughs> it's got to be one or the other, right? Construction? Speculative construction, maybe. Yeah, maybe construction. Probably. Um, refis were 47% of the national market. The strongest of all was California. 61% of total loans done in the state in, tw in 2016 were um, California refis. So wow. that's an interesting thing. So I kind of started thinking about that a little bit. How come California had so many more refis? I know why. I figured it out. 
Um, yeah, and yeah, this is the this is the stuff I'm thinking about on my short drive to work. Um, you know what, California. The reason is we have these really high property values and we also have a lot of housing inventory. And it reminded me that in California, when interest rates are a quarter or three-eighths lower than they were, because your loan balance is three, four, five, six hundred thousand bucks, you refi. In other parts of the country, like Texas, where the median home value is much less and loan amounts are much less, your loan's a hundred thousand bucks. Interest rates drop by a quarter. You don't need to refi, right? And so, um, that was one of the things I thought was worth bringing up again today on the show. Is if you have an interest rate, um, you know, like I said today, we're at that high threes. So if you're at four and a quarter or more um, with a loan amount that is three, four, five hundred thousand bucks. You should definitely check in right now, um, and you know, like I said, it's worth a it's worth a free look. Give us a call. Let us do an evaluation. We'll tell you whether or not you have the loan you should have, or if there's an avenue to save some money and do something better. Um, but also, if you have mortgage insurance or a second or some reason that you otherwise might want to visit checking out a refi. Um, Definitely, you should consider at least calling. It's a real low pressure thing. Um, at our company, we're very much we just we're in it to try to facilitate your loan process, not to try to to drive you through one that you uh, otherwise don't want or need to do. So, um, if that is appealing to you, uh, our number is five four three loan, which is five four three five six two six. Love to talk to you about that. We're going to do the final commercial break here of the show. So we'll be back in a couple minutes with the conclusion of Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. 
These are the hardest days, don't you worry anymore. Cause when life looks like easy street, there is danger at your door. Think this through with me. Let me know your mind. Oh, what I want to know is, are you kind? All right, guys, welcome back. It's a buck dancer's choice, my friends. Better take I sure have enjoyed the music selection today, Jim. Thank you. Amazing. Dan suggested this one. Yeah. Uncle John's Band. It's a great song. Yeah, Uncle John's Band. I like it. Dan's over there rocking out. Dan always rocks out. I think Dan, you know, Dan and I, I think, enjoy the Grateful Dead more than we let on sometimes. Everybody does. Yes. It just became, it's like Titanic. It's just popular to say you don't like it. Yeah. So, talking a little bit about some of that boring loan stuff, right? Yeah. Here's an interesting one. Did you see, too, I knew last year we were talking about how um, homes keep getting larger. I remember bringing this story to Mortgage Matters. We talked about this, that the... Uh, the average home size in the United States is just ever growing. Mm-hmm. These numbers, by the way, still trip me out. The American home has decreased in size for the first time in 30 years. Really? For the annual square footage average. Huh. It peaked in 2015. At 2,520 square feet. That's the average new construction home in the United States. That was. Yeah. This 2016 averaged 2,420. It's a little bit smaller, but finally the trend changing a little bit. Um, Another interesting thing, too, is that um, houses built post-2015 um, on average, occupy about 25% of the land they're on, right? So if you have a 5,000 square foot lot, typically your house the is going to occupy, right? Is 25% of that 5,000. Yeah, on average. And the figure going back, like looking at 1975, that figure was 13.9%. So we liked bigger yards, right? Well, I was going to say, yeah, parcels get smaller over time. So I started to think about this. Now, is that because the way that we want and use property has changed? Possibly. Or? I My first thought was, you know... You hear this whole issue of affordability constantly. And one way to make housing more affordable is to increase density, which would mean smaller lot sizes. Um, And, you know, maybe building smaller homes, too, would help with affordability. Yeah, I think it's going to be largely attributable to um, shrinking profit margins for builders, scarcity of land, and just a, a, that shortage of affordable housing. So in doing so, you know, if you've got 40 acres on the edge of town that you can do a subdivision in to, 
to try to bring housing. Um, first of all, if you're the builder, you got to figure out the budget to the project. What is it going to take to make this to where I can bring this to market and make money? Right. Um, and in doing so, you know, think about today versus 1975. Now, I was not born in 1975. I was born shortly thereafter. So I can't tell you firsthand what 1975 was, but I'm going to venture to guess that the environmental the regulatory, the permit, all of these building codes, standards, labor costs, everything about the process back then was going to be, by today's standard, bizarrely affordable and what we could only call today streamlined, <laughs> right? So you look today, today we're trying to figure out how to streamline the process. Well, how do we get you through the 11 advisory body board reviews on your property to see if, you know, after we do your environmental impact report and after we figured out the impact of the circulation and what happens to the red-legged frog and then whether there's water quality issue and if we can serve you with the water and police and fire and then also we're going to, you know, we're going to do the energy efficiency calculations. We're going to make sure that you have your sprinkler system in place in the house. We're going to make Did sure you get not... a geologic survey in there. Yeah. No, <laughs> no lead paint. You know, we, we go through all these things and at the whole end of the day, all of that has made it to where those, it, it, there's those constraints ultimately are going to lead to, I think, and I think as these numbers support smaller properties, with smaller homes, eventually smaller. They're finally starting to change that trend a little bit. Um, but so anyhow, it, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, but I'll bet you 30 years from now, you, you, these 2,500 square foot averages are probably not going to be the norm then too, especially as energy costs continue to skyrocket. Um, and you know, the one thing they say about land they don't make any more of it. They're not making any more of it, which is only kind of true because isn't Dubai like a man-made <laughs> island? Yeah. It is, right? Yeah. Hawaii expands through volcanoes. Yeah, so they're making more yeah. Hawaii. That ain't yeah. cheap either, by the way. No. The Hawaii, Hawaii is expensive too. Yeah. But we yeah. just got a little bit more Big Sur with the mudslide. There you this go. is true. Yeah. Change the coastline. Yeah. That's reopened now though, huh? I remember so them the saying bridge. it was the about bridge is to. Open. Yeah, the bridge think, is open. Right. The slide is not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The bridge is. Uh, so the bridge was ac was preventing access from the north, right? Exactly. And so now Nasimano Ferguson Road. Yes. Yeah. For a little area. while there, Big Sur was your only way in and out is through Fort Hunter Liggett, right? Exactly. If you want to take a car. Yeah, that, that way, <laughs> right. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the Pfeiffer Bridge was out. I know. I told wifey mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, hey, before that bridge opens, we should probably go camp in Big Sur. Well, it's The nice weather's still nice enough. No one's going to be there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we scour for reservation, right? Nothing. It's like all still sold out. I'm like, what? Everybody's yeah. going through 400. Like it, everybody everybody's has the gone. same idea as me. Yeah. And I think it just goes back to show you how much pressure there is on that. Camping. Have you guys tried to make camping reservations anywhere lately? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it's insane. Yeah, loves, yeah, I like Everybody likes to camp. I think a lot of people like to camp. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. and it's, you know. I, mean, I don't love sleeping on the ground, but everything else about it just, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I really enjoy the whole thing. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of pressure on camping anymore. Everywhere you want to go, it's sold out or you got to be part of the lottery. Like, and that was the thing for me. I remember when I was a kid, it'd be one of those things where not a word was said. And like my dad would get off work on a Friday and just on a whim be like, you know, fill up the trunk of the Impala and we're heading for a campground. Okay. That's a good thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. It, but you could, yeah. you could just go. And you could be confident that there'd be a space for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say you are crazy. If you throw your stuff in your car today, you can drive from here to Mexico on a Friday night. Good luck getting into a campground. You're going to end up having to find uh, somebody that lets you pitch a tent on their site. <laughs> yeah. Better bring a lot of beer with you so that you can grease those palms when you get there. Try to get yeah. into the yeah. the site. So yep, and yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, boy, we're running out of show here again. Goes by fast on that two hours. It does. What do you got? I was going to do the same old thing again. You know, I like to tell people. Who's a good customer for Central Coast Lending? Yeah. Why would you want to call us? Why would you go to our website? All that stuff. Yeah. But I always do that. Why don't you do it? I did it last week. Oh, that's right. You have to do it when I'm not here. Are these shows a lot easier for you when I'm here? They're just different. He, has, he has to say a lot more. That's for different. sure. I assumed that you guys. I assumed that you guys all liked how much I talk. Oh, no, we I do. don't dislike it. No. It's just I, different, and that's good. It's uh gives was, the listeners a variety of. I got to admit, I was a little bit here. sad when Mike Points said that he didn't necessarily like doing the show with me because I talk too much. Mm. Well, the problem is you have to talk on radio. That's a good thing. You need to talk on radio, otherwise, it's like. Yeah, it can get real boring real if you're not boring. talking. I've got some of those interviews. Yep. No. Maybe. I talk everywhere I go, though. Mm-hmm. No, it's a good thing. People that know me well like to give me a hard time about it, too. Mm-hmm. I I can strike up conversation with anyone, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a friendly guy. I got a lot to say. Yeah. Plus, you get recognized. Even I've been recognized yeah. on the public. Oh, man, that's not hard Aren't you believe. on that Mortgage Matters show? <laughs> that's yes, not what they said. I, I, no. I of know, all of the ways that you're on the radio, you got voice recognized for Mortgage Matters? Yeah. Holy smokes. Or the Mortar Mouse or whatever, but yeah. That's awesome. I know your voice from somewhere. Yeah, no, you get it a lot. Uh, All right. Uh, I'll, Dan, if I may. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) (laughs) Really, though, um, my goal, again, I said this a little bit ago, but my goal is basically for you to, to believe that you have a friend in the mortgage business. If you need some help, you just want to get a good a good second opinion. If you're already working with someone else and maybe you're feeling good about it, hey, let me give you a quote and uh, you know, either going to make you feel better about what you got or going to make you feel like you're awfully glad you shopped around. Um, I can honestly say that I believe with my whole heart that you would not regret contacting us. Um, we're, our, we're the experts at this and our goal is really just to to help facilitate your process, me a little bit of education for you, bring you up to snuff on the things that you don't know that you need to know, and just a real desire to, to help where we can. Um, so if you feel like you want that help, if you need that help, 
Um, if you have somebody in your life, friend, family, coworker that is getting ready to buy a house in the next week or year, um, have them reach out to us. 543 Loan rings all of our offices, 543-5626 or centralcoastlending.com. But thanks so much for being with us today. Jim, thank you very much for playing Grateful Dead coming back from a lot of breaks. I love uh, that. All the breaks. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. So you guys be well. 